Hello, I'm Jared Fairclough. And I'm Joe Hennis. And welcome to, to introduce our guest star, a Muppet fan podcast for ToughBigs.com, back for season two. Uh, in this show, Joe and I were taking in turns to surprise each other with each week's guests. This week, uh, it is my turn. Joe, you have no idea who our guest is today, do you? We're back, baby. Uh, and no, I still have no idea. No, no clue. And I had forgotten how terrifying it is. Yeah, no, not no, knowing. it's not easy. Yeah, it's it's not it's not fun. Not fun, you guys. Well, last season you only got a couple <laughs> correct. I think it was like one, two. Yeah. Well, uh, you obviously have a chance to guess uh, as per usual. So, uh, Joe, take it away. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, is it Muppets, Sesame, or Henson? Um, all all three. Okay. Um. Is this person all right? Let's. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to go too obvious here. So I'll ask. Uh, did this person work in some capacity on Muppet Treasure Island? I don't believe so. No, <laughs> not that I can. Okay. Not, not that I can see on their Muppet Wiki page. Great. Okay, that didn't help me in the slightest. Nope. Um, uh, is this person uh, uh, known for? Um, having some sort of connection to uh, a character performed by Jim Henson, originally performed by Jim Henson. No. Cool. I thought I would <laughs> make this interesting by asking questions that wouldn't reveal it yeah. so, so quickly. And, and this was a, a bad strategy. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, I'll, then I'll just ask, is this person a, a performer? Or yes. A puppeteer? Okay. Uh, that helps. Hmm. Um, all right. I, uh, I'm going to go on a limb. And just make a make a wild guess. Yep. Uh, a performer who has worked with Muppets and Henson, um, who probably did not work on Muppet Treasure Island, is it Alice Dinian? Joe, my guest today is a puppeteer who has worked on a wide range of uh, projects over the last twenty five years, all the way from Sesame Street to Team America World Police. She's been a Grandma Mouse on Big Blue House, a Snake in Kermit Swamp Years. She played Puppet Britta in Community. She's been a mummy and a red herring in Muppet's Haunted Mansion, and she played the lead Gelfling in Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. She's also worked on a billion other things I'm sure we'll talk about. Joe, you've started off strong. Would you please welcome to, to introduce our guest star, Alice Deneen. Alice. Hey, hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. Hi. Thank you for asking. Hi. Huh? Alice, I don't know if we've ever met have we ever met <laughs> I um, to ask that. we may have met in passing uh once or twice but you being out in la and me being here in new york i feel like maybe that never happened I feel maybe it's possible that that hasn't happened i mean with with lockdown i feel like i haven't seen anyone ever so that's uh i know right well that's yeah that's the other thing is my memory is completely shot yeah for you know yeah, exactly. everything i've done before like six months ago. Right, right. So, and a lot yeah, of people just, I've met from Europe, and I don't know if I've met them or not. So, right. Let's yeah. just say that we have met now, and that's lovely. It's so lovely to meet you. Um, it's such a treat. Um, you you are just like, you're one of those performers who you, you've done so many things. You've worked on so many uh, amazing Muppet and Henson projects that I feel like, like we should be best friends. Like, it's like, just see your name in the credits <laughs> of everything. Well, um, which is, by the way, how I make friends is I just look for people's names names in the credits, yeah. and oh. I'm like, I, I'm just gonna say, yeah, yeah. Me, and, me and all these your best friends with Steven Spielberg, right? Oh, my, you, oh, Uncle Steve, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great friends. Um, 
it's true though. Right, well, Sorry, I, I'm, I'm sure... gonna say it's true though that like Alice, you've got like there's certain people like actors and stuff who you see their names in the credits and you go, oh, excellent, okay, good. Like I love that person. Like I'm so it's like someone like Judy Greer who's an actor. You see her name in the credits. You go, okay, we're in for a good time. I feel like <laughs> your name's the same. Like you see Alice name and you go, oh, excellent, okay, good, yep, good. Like that, like that person. We're okay. Oh, that's that's very flattering to hear. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you. I um, uh, I do try to choose projects that I think will be good. Um, I mean, we can't do everything, but uh, I mean, I try to do everything, which is one of the reasons that my name pops up all over the place is because I love working so much and I, I, I try to do as many things as I possibly can, um, possibly to the detriment of my sanity and my child. But um, but I do just <laughs> love it. So I just, I do, I do try to stay in the mix as much as I can. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm so grateful because that also gives us so much to talk about. Um, I, I guess I, I want to start with one of your more recent uh, roles. Okay. Because um, you were working on um, Muppets Haunted Mansion, which we, Jared and I both loved very much. I'm so uh, glad. So great, pretty, great work. A lot to us. Good. Yeah. Um, one of my surprise favorite moments uh, was the introduction of Pee Wee, the red herring, <laughs> which you performed. <laughs> How, why, what happens? What I have so many questions that are only half sentences, but like, where did that come from? <laughs> uh, well, um, I think that uh, the character itself was just a, it's just a visual joke. It's a red herring, you know, and here we are in a, in a, in a mystery of uh, a sort of disappearance. And so it's, uh, I mean, I, that's very much Kirk. Thatcher's sense of humor. I, I don't know for sure, but I imagine that that was Kirk joke. And um, yeah. And so he was just going to, he, he was, he was like, he's got a, he's got a red herring in his pocket, but it's a real herring and it talks. And then, and then the dialogue was written in a French accent. So. Oh, you didn't, you didn't make up the French accent. Uh, no. And in fact, in the table read, someone else read it. Uh, I, Cause I wasn't at the table read and I don't think anyone knew who was going to do that. It was sort of going to filter down to whoever was available. And um and uh, so I, you know, and, and a lot of times for little things like that, if someone else, if someone reads it in the table read and someone else winds up doing it, then someone else might wind up looping it. And it's all very loosey goosey, but, uh, but it just sort of wound up coming together that way. And uh, I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. I mean, it's a funny gag that he has a fish in his pocket. That's, you know, I, I, I love that bit where the bottom of the card comes down and <laughs> the fish signs it too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Funny. Well, and I had to assume, visual. which pro I'm, I'm probably way off base, but the first time I saw it, I had to assume that that Pee Wee was a reference to um, Pee Wee's Playhouse because I was also hearing the French accent of, uh, I think, Terry the Pterodactyl because mm -hmm. uh, he's he's French, right? Or he's got some sort of weird accent. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was Terry spelled the French way, wasn't it? Um yeah, well, it's spelled with a with a P, like like pterodactyl. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's right. That, right, I knew it had something uh, about the spelling. Yeah. Right, but uh, but yeah, I mean, just like you know, another great puppet show that you know is not obviously not a Henson or Muppet project project, but uh, you know, you guys share a lot of puppeteers and yeah, uh, you know, and hearing the name Pee Wee in a French accent, it just made me think like that's got to be, but maybe not. Maybe I'm making that up. Well, I don't know. It did it did, it did sort of uh, it sort of burbled up from, um, it's it's 
funny on stuff like that. I knew I was going to be doing that mummy character, but the others, like the the old lady at the dance and 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 the gravedigger's dog and even Pee-wee, like we don't really know. A lot of times it's about availability and who's there on what days and when that shot winds up in the schedule. And so we stay very flexible about some of those littler things. Um, and it's just was freely fun the way that they all got kind of uh, handed out very spontaneously, but that's always happened. That always happened at, uh, uh, you know, back long time ago when I was working at Sesame Street and so on, like at the very last minute, you can get these characters that have to have a voice and a personality and you have to make it up on the spot. And every now and then the director will say, yeah, no, do something different and do something different, yeah, something different. Mm-hmm. So you're just figuring out. I loved the, uh, yeah. the, that broad English accent on mummy. Oh, like just that, that, that voice is guaranteed to get a laugh. Just that accent. It's just, it's a, it's a silly voice. Yeah. And it is. Um, it's great. <laughs> I, I don't know how it really sounds to all my English friends. You know, I spent a year there uh listening to i mean i just loved hearing everyone's different accents there and uh i always think i got very obnoxious saying so wait where are you from okay what part of that area are you from (laughs) because they're so specific and so different um and so fun to kind of play with i mean i know they have fun doing american accents too so how much of the mummy and duddy stuff was was improvised because it felt very very impromptu and I'm, I'm sure there was like a like in the script it said something about them entering and commenting on the dun dun duns or whatever but it felt very much like oh it's just you and um uh who, who performed yeah. Duddy? yeah bruce and oil yeah bruce yeah <laughs> just like saying whatever came to mind and hoping maybe to get um you know the, the other puppeteers to break or something like that there there was there was some of that like like when they were making excuses for why they were late that was there were a lot of different excuses for why they were late and um uh and and you know the exit line of you know where they're just kind of bummed out that they'd missed it there were a lot of different exit lines for that too and i think what they wound up keeping was just was just oh disappointing and that was it to, for, yeah. for forgetting about <laughs> but um yeah we tried to do some some different things like that but again kirk had set up this gag where they were trying they were just getting it wrong like he was very convinced that they had to just get it wrong and we keep saying couldn't we get it right at this at some point he's like no you get it wrong every time <laughs> but can we get it wrong in a different way no it's wrong in the same way every time so right. he, really, he kept he kept reining it in um and there were yeah there were l- he let us do lots of takes of those so we did have fun with it yeah Good, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine there was so much gold left on the uh, the cutting room floor <laughs> of that special. Oh yeah. Um, was there anything that stands out that you guys recorded that that didn't make it into the final draft? Every single time that that candelabra came out and was floating, um, Bill gave it a, a voice and a personality. It was very needy. It was very codependent candlestick, and it was <laughs> sort of in love with Dave Goals. <laughs> And, and, and who this, isn't? And it had this, had this very high kind of eager to please, really kind of, oh, I'm not okay. Is it my cue? All right, here we go. Let's go. Let's go down the hall. Here we go. I'm going with Dave. You know, and it was just very silly. And so like had us in stitches the entire time. And of course, it's not part of the show at all. The fact that the, that the candlestick had a whole life going on that's hysterical um, and that kind of thing happens all the all the time but that one was a particular favorite because 
the way the schedule on that one worked out, we wound up um, shooting until the, the wee hours frequently. And so everyone was really on the hairy edge of hilarious. <laughs> Uh huh, and uh, that kind of stuff was happening. It was so fun. It's so funny. The combination of of you know, Bill and Dave, one or the other, or both of them being in almost everything, um, makes for a real treat for all the other performers because they're so they're just always so generous and so funny. And then when they're together and playing off of each other, it's just it just you just feel so lucky to be there watching the show. And and you're right, most of it doesn't wind up in the in the movie it's just what they do between takes it's magical well you got uh, to to be a fly on that wall yeah. that would have been very special mm-hmm. you got to work obviously closely with will arnett as well i think you must have worked very closely with will arnett considering you know the fish is inside his pocket yes so you've got to be like right <laughs> up against him for that yeah the um, pocket hat was a long tube that came down from the you know from the inside of the the pocket opening it was just basically a long satiny tube that came down so that the fish would go up through that and yes yeah if you think about where my hand had to be starting out it was yes it's close so it was a tight fitting jacket (laughs) (laughs) but uh what was it like working with will arnett because i mean he's comedy royalty at this point yeah i mean i'm a super fan of uh, arrested development and um some of the stuff that some of the other stuff he's done so it was it was it was pretty exciting i mean he it was very focused on his on his character and very focused on staying in character he had fun and he had you know he was very um he was enjoying being there but um boy he had a big part and it was always on and and the costumes were elaborate and the and there was singing and there was all sorts of choreography and then he had to try to hold it together with bill and dave you know, doing all yeah. their funny stuff. So he he was he had a big job to stay focused, and he, but uh, but he was very kind and 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 a generous performer. And I, I yeah, I felt lucky to be able to to meet him. And um, and Darren Chris I'd worked with before, uh, Taraji P Henson, amazing, right? I mean, oh, she was excellent, unreal. And uh, and then a lot of the little the little. Um, little cameos uh danny trejo's in everything like he's in every muppet thing he just shows up well he's of course he's he's basically a muppet at this point yeah yeah he's he's, i think he'd be very uh, insulted if we didn't call him to come and do something (laughs) absolutely yeah and getting to do those little dancing with the moonlight bits uh that showed up during the credits was really fun too because people really got to kind of I mean, I, I, who doesn't love dancing with a Muppet? And those, all those characters in their costumes and so on. We just had such a good time with that. So, you know, I'm I'm actually really curious about that that segment. And you know, the um, a lot of those celebrities are dancing. They, they have these dancing moments with like some of the most obscure Muppets. Like, there's even a couple in there who like I don't even know what their names are. Oh, yeah. um, did they choose? Were they like that guy looks weird? I want to do a moment with him. Or was that someone on your end who was like? You know, we don't want to have the same characters here, so we're going to give you someone random to just like have this this you know two seconds with. Yeah, that was that was it. It was I think mostly it was Bill choosing. You know, let's let's put this guy in. Let's put this guy dance. It was you know, then and it was it was for that very reason. Like let's get let's show some new faces. Let's let's bring in some of these puppets that we haven't seen in a while. So. Yeah, great. No, I I love that stuff, especially you know we we find you know in the Muppet fan community. Uh, every Muppet, every obscure Muppet who shows up in the background is someone's favorite. Someone has glommed on to, oh, yeah. you know, 
Beautiful Day Monster or, you know, Timmy Monster or, you know, whoever, and just decided like, nope, that's that's my guy and I love him. And so, you know, to have them, I don't know, dancing with Alfonso Ribeiro is like, oh, what a, what a great moment, you know, like that's that made someone's day. Yeah. Well, you guys will know this. I, 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 I had... I did Dancing with the Moonlight with a character whose name I didn't know, and then I learned it, and then I forgot it again. Was it Anthony? Um, it's the one with the long red nose. Who is Anthony? Sad eyes. That so that's the one that I always think of that I don't know his name. Tan colored. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know we're who gonna, we're gonna find about. out. We're gonna. <laughs> you would recognize him. I'm yeah, sure I would. He, he yeah, he's got. He's... People out there right now are screaming. His name is. Blake. Oh yeah. I think it's Anthony. It's not Droop. That's that's the guy with the long nose. Uh yeah, I am. Have you? I'm I'm pausing for a moment. We can we can yeah, edit we'll this edit out. This I, out. I, I feel like I need to know I what no this guy's name is. Is. I, is it a, one of the frackles? No, it's not. He's a not frackle. a frackle. He's a monster. He's tall and vertical and and kind of orangey tan. Oh, and the a mustache. Big, giant nose. Yes, a big giant yes. nose. Uh-huh. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm like 80. Oh, that's really frustrating. We should know this. I don't know that he has a name. Anthony. He, he must have a name. Well, let's... Okay, his name... All right, I got it. Yeah? His name, according to the Muppet Wiki, is Pokey. Pokey. Which you would think would be the name no. of like a cactus or something. Mm-hmm. Never in a million years would I have remembered Pokey. Yeah. But he. Uh, well, everyone, up. go on the Muppet Wiki. Look up Pokey. You'll know who we're talking about. You'll be like, "Oh, that guy. I've oh, seen him guy. in the background. Yeah. But he He's did, my favorite character. I think he dances yeah. with Danny Trejo in in at the in the credits. Yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah. Um, so have you he, got one yeah, of those a, characters? Have you got a character like an obscure one that you always go, "I really want to play that one." Um. No, because those do all get passed around, and and people are pretty uh, pretty disciplined about the fact that those don't belong to anyone. Yeah, because um, you know it's too. There are the you know there's the main core guys, and their characters are always their characters, and all of the other characters are always a free for all. It's just very clearly delineated. Yeah, because we had uh, we interviewed Bruce Lenoyle about uh, Mo Frackle recently, mm-hmm. and uh, just because Mo is such a obs- he, I mean, talk about obscure characters. Um, and we did we did this oral history of Mo Frackle because <laughs> we thought it'd be fun. Um, but Mo is one of those like yeah, several people have performed him, but like it's kind of at this point Bruce's character. Like he has decided, like this is my guy, and I'm sure you know Bill makes a point to be like, okay, well if Bruce is here, he's got to take Mo. Um, so I know I I hope that you get someone like that. Maybe maybe Pokey is your is your new guy. <laughs> well, I don't know. We were doing we were uh, there there was a there's a lobster that I always grab if there's a group scene if I possibly at all can. I think he's from Muppets Tonight. I think he had little six shooters in a some episode. I think he was a bad bad lobster. And um, but uh, <laughs> it's just it's so funny. I love it so much. It's just got these big dumb hands and. And these long antennae, and I just, I can't stand how much I love that lobster. So, who knows? All right. So, um, so what we need you to do is give that lobster a name, uh-huh. and then we're going to make sure that that lobster is gets an article with that name on the Muppet Wiki. We're going to list you as the performer, okay. and then it's just canon. And then in 20 fun. years' time, yeah. this interview will be in the oral history. There it well, I know. And I can, right. there, there actually is already a superstar crustacean, so I don't know if there's room for another, but... 
That's exactly right. There could be two. <laughs> there are two Muppet Bears in the main troop, That's right? That's true. That's true. So why not? Yeah. <laughs> Lots of pigs. Yeah. I think that's that's so limiting to think <laughs> Pepe can be the only the only crustacean. Um well so you you've performed a few um pre existing uh Muppets already that, that you didn't uh originate but you've had to pick up the reins. Um like I know you've played, you know, like Afghan Hound and Wanda and uh Yolanda, Yolanda yeah. you, you've played before. Uh, so what, what kind of research do you have to do when you know, like, okay, so, you know, so-and-so is not going to be here to play this character or this character has 40 years of history and, you know, I have to play them in the background of a scene. Uh, is there anything that goes, goes through your mind when you do that? Or is it just kind of like, I don't know, it's a random character. I'll figure it out. Well, Yolanda and Wanda, Wanda Yolanda, they're sort of Julianne's character, <laughs> Julianne Busher. Um, and so it's always would be a matter of doubling for her. Um, and yeah, that, that wonderful, uh, Afghan hound, again, one of many wonderful dog puppets that are floating around and again, often don't have specific names or specific performers, but, uh, I do like that one a lot. Um, and yeah, I don't think she has a name other than Afghan hound. Um, and that, uh, no, I think that's the name. Yeah. Yeah. Also that, that, uh, that Gravedigger's dog didn't have a name other than, you know, oh, that really nice dog puppet from storyteller or, or not storyteller bunny picnic um and mm -hmm. uh and and Dickles named it yates after the poet i think um so now it's oh now it's called that's, yates that's good to know <laughs> yeah yeah all right so now everyone who uh you muppet wiki editors you heard it here first uh-huh <laughs> that that's the dog's name it's yeah. yates yeah yeah and uh yeah it was just one of those where again late at night and he's like what's that dog's name i said i don't know he said it is yates <laughs> <laughs> so <there it> <laughs> and, uh, I, I love that he gave it like such a literary name of like, like it's not a silly name no it's not like, like he looks like a, like where has he Yates. pulled that from in his brain like he's just come out straight away with it did he have that like germinating for a week and then was like i'm gonna call that thing yates I don't or is know. it just bang out <laughs> i don't know that's the mystery that is dave gold's yeah, Dave's brain. You've worked, like you said, you know, you you try to pick things that are really fun. And it was interesting, you know, looking through your sort of Muppet Wiki page just to see the wide range of things you've worked on. Like you were Britta in Community, like the puppet Britta. Um, hmm. how, was, how was that? Because like Community is one of my all-time favorite shows. Oh, okay. Um, and God knows season four has its uh ups and downs but i for one loved that episode um so what was it like working on it for a week or whatever it was um it was uh i mean it was really fun i wasn't super familiar with the show when we went in there i'd, I'd seen it um but i i wasn't a, an enormous you know I, I i certainly hadn't seen every episode I, I knew the characters names and that was that was about that but it was it was uh i knew that they did these sort of stunt episodes um, and a number of other shows have done that as well. Glee did one and, and, um, uh, an angel. Um, but, uh, that one felt like it wasn't, uh, you know, like it was, like it was really a part of the story and like it was really appropriate to what they were, what they were trying to do. And it was, um, the humans who were, you know, the human actors uh, all responded to it very, very differently. There were a couple of them that were there the whole time and they wanted to watch and they wanted to talk to us and they wanted to like confab on, on character and characterization yep. and really be a part of it. 
And there were a few others who who thought, yay, week off, and I get to just do a voiceover. <laughs> and um, so it was, uh, and, I'm, and I'm not saying who was who, but uh, it was. it was. <laughs> I'm sure the behind the scenes, uh, people know enough <laughs> about the community behind the scenes, we can probably guess. But uh, we let's not get litigious. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but for the ones that did stay and participate, it was so fun to have their input and to um, and to have them be so sort of tickled to see themselves and each other as as puppets. But and, do you uh, have to then like maybe watch a little bit of because obviously Gillian Jacobs had played that role for three and a half four years at that point. Do oh, you yeah, have to yeah. then watch some of her characteristics so that you can translate that in puppet form? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to know how she sat in a chair, you know, and if she flipped her hair or if she did something with her hands or if she had any, like, I, yeah, you had to have to learn that. Yeah. Uh, and um, so that's, uh, I had watched a number of episodes kind of running through them and just getting to the Jillian parts. So, um, and, and I watched a few episodes all the way, all the way through, but, um, but I watched a lot of specifically her scenes. Yeah. So um, another thing you worked on is Tim America. Uh-huh. Now I have heard uh, that that was a really difficult shoot. Just a lot of the behind the scenes of that is the, like, I think Trey and Matt have both said, we didn't think it would be that hard. So what was it like on a puppeteer point of view? Because I mean, some of the stuff those puppets do, I don't think they realized how hard it was for a puppet to walk across the set and pick up a glass or whatever it was. So what was it like right. then for you guys? Um, well, uh, that was one, I, I certainly didn't work on that as much as a lot of my friends did. I may not be the right person to ask for the juiciest stories on that. And, uh, uh that was because I actually had a brief period of being unwell during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the times that I did get to go, uh, they, they did, they were, people were either up in cherry pickers way up high uh, and unable to come down and go to the bathroom, uh, get food or anything like that. Like they would stay up there for hours and hours and hours and hours, or you'd be stuffed under the set with rod puppets and, uh, and, you know, deep, deep, deep under a huge set with 25 people and unable to like come out and go to the bathroom and get, to, you know, like if you, you get stuck in these places for long, long, long periods of time. So it took a really long time to set up all those puppets and make them all look good. And then once you were in there, you couldn't leave. So uh, there was a lot of a lot of sort of shoved into these very dark, small spaces and just like telling stories and hanging out, maybe singing some songs and just. <laughs> and uh, that's the life of a puppeteer, just being crammed yeah, into a small space. Yeah. But, and having to use the bathroom, I assume. Yes. But for people who are used to working with puppets and puppeteers all the time, they sort of they sort of work that into the system yeah. um, and, uh, mm-hmm. and they, they understand that that's going to happen and that's how it's going to be. And I think they were learning as they, as they went along. So basically I remember a whole lot of long setups on yeah. that. Um, but I also, uh, you know, there were some remote controls uh, for, for the faces on those. And that was sort of my favorite part because I'm a little bit of a animatronics wonk. And so I really liked doing their little, their little marionette faces with the little remote controls. So that was my That's favorite. fun. I love that. Plus you didn't have to be under the stage. Um, I, yeah, you could go out and get some food right. and go to the bathroom as much as you wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I do I do want to go back to, to the community for just a hot second, just because we know that Yvette Nicole Brown is such a, a super fan of Muppets. And um, 
uh, so first of all, I, I have to assume that she was one of the people who stuck around the set when you were there. Yes. Just to <laughs> meet everybody and see how it worked. And because uh-huh. um, I also remember by the time that episode came out, uh, uh, she had been saying in, in a lot of interviews when they were like, what else do you want to do? Because you've done, you know, an animated episode and a Dungeons and Dragons episode and whatever else they had done. And she was like, I want to do Muppets. I just want Muppets. I want Muppets, yeah. Muppets, Muppets. And, um, you know, of course, it wasn't Muppets. It was puppets, but Muppet. It was Muppet adjacent. Very similar. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, well, uh, and then of course so she had I, that I'm, wonderful role in, in Muppet How to Mention. Yeah. So we were all reunited. Right. So it was good. Did you guys like, like touch base about that and be like, do you remember I was there? Yes. And, and um, she Great. had, uh, uh, again, Julianne had performed her character on Community. So, and then they were working together again on this, on this project. So it was, it's, oh, it's nice to I love see. it again yeah it, was nice. and- it had the feeling of like one of us when we found out she was in it because we know what like a massive muppet fan she was mm-hmm. yeah, it was nice um, and wasn't she wonderful in it i just wanted so more good. of that she's like, terrific yeah she's just such a good human being as well like i mean we we all read her her twitter account and and see just how like you know passionate and and uh you know, uh, she is about both like social justice as well as things like, you know, Muppets, which that's very much, you know, up our alley, both of those things. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're not unrelated, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I agree. Um, so uh, I, I know that um, our, our good friend Ryan Rowe is listening to this and wondering when we're going to ask you about uh, Snizzy, your character from Aliens in the Family. Uh who is, is I think why, the world's biggest he... aliens in the family fan. Yeah, that is a deep cut. The world's the world's only aliens in the family uh, fan. Um, so uh, can you can you explain a little bit about uh, I guess like how you got the role or or even just what it was like performing on this this show that I, I'm actually not sure if you guys knew if it was gonna be uh, the I don't want to say failure, but like it didn't really stick around. But like as as you were making it, if you knew that this wasn't going to be the biggest hit or if it was like, no, this is the next big thing. We're on TGIF. Yeah, it seemed like it had it seemed like it had a shot. I mean, I thought the writing was really good. The writing that had writer creator was um, Andy Borowitz. His stuff is so funny. I don't know if you watch if you if you read his stuff in The New Yorker or, you know, I mean, he's a really great humor writer and um, and he was just constantly funny. The scripts were great. Um, and, um, and we had a lot of the same performers and builders and people behind the scenes This had done dinosaurs. Um, and that had run for a long, long time on, uh, on, uh, you know, on network TV. And we were all really optimistic about it. It was an, you know, alien family sitcom and, uh, another network at the very same time was producing and putting up a alien family sitcom called third rock from the sun. And we thought, which ah. one of these is going to, hmm, you know, one, one of these is probably going to, you know, they, these can't both hit it big. Uh, they were similar in flavor and theme. And we all know what happened there. So. Well, it, was a, it was a classic 30 Rock versus Studio 60 moment of, <laughs> well, we can't have both of these. <laughs> one, of you, one of you's got to go. Yeah, but I... I um, well, I'm, I'm sorry that it was you who had to go because those puppets really are, they're, they're incredibly impressive puppets. You know, they're li- really lifelike. Um, and of course, just having more Henson stuff on TV was always a good thing. But but yeah, it was not meant to be, unfortunately. 
<laughs> yeah, and there were a lot of human actors on that that have, have become big stars since who were rather obscure character actors when we did it. And that's fun. It's been fun to watch them. You know, there was a uh, uh, Allison. Yeah, wasn't Ryan Reynolds on that show? Uh, James, Van like that? James Vanderbeek was on that's that. That's it. James Vanderbeek. Or Dawson's right. Creek. Right. And, um, and Allison Janney before uh, uh, West Wing. And um, mm-hmm. you've got Aaron Eckhart. You've got Hayden Panettiere. Yeah, little yeah. tiny baby Hayden Panettiere. Just yeah. four years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Kind of interesting that none of those folks have really worked with the Muppets since. I know Alison Janney did a smidge. I mean, you guys were on West Wing. I know you were on the, the we West Wing Westwood, episode yeah. um, mm-hmm. with the Sesame characters. And, you know, she went to the to a Fraggle Rock, uh, like a photo op for Fraggle Rock's 35th anniversary That's or something right. like that. This is it's so obscure. I don't know why this information's in my brain. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> I, well, let's maybe that's a good segue to talk about West Wing because West Wing is also one of my favorite shows along with with Community. These are like the two TV shows, two non Muppet shows that I own on DVD. Um, you are eating your what was it like uh, around getting... the edges of my career? Oh yeah, <laughs> Alice, I am I am not prepared for this interview. Yeah, in the he had no I'm idea you were coming until two seconds before you arrived. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are the these are the fringe items, but sure, let's talk. Oh yeah, about I'm. I'm all about the fringe. Like, <laughs> I want to get to the stuff that you've literally never spoken out loud about. Okay. You know, let's talk about the one episode of West Wing okay. <laughs> that you appeared on. Okay. What was it like getting to visit? Because it was a it was a huge smash hit. This is like the what, the fifth season of the show. It's, it's it's a smash hit at this point. You got to like go and hang out with like Stocker Channing, and well, Billy Tomlin. I was gonna say that was the big that was the big big deal for me because when I was uh, when I was a little kid, I was, I was, uh, oh, I was obsessed with Greece. I just loved it. I would go mm-hmm. overnight. I had that al- the album with the fold out and I would play that. I'm dating myself, but I was seeing it in theaters when I was, you know, a kid. And uh, it was, um, it was such a thrill to meet Rizzo. This was very, very, very starstruck by her. And um, I love it. And she was really, and and we meet a lot of celebrities. We meet a lot of celebrities. We actually, well, in the case you were of Will Arnett and the and the Pee Wee, we're often very close to sort of intimate places on a lot of celebrities because we're on the floor and they're standing up, and um, you know it's you you get used to it. You get used to being with famous people, but every now and then somebody that meant a lot to you when you were a kid or this one thing that they did was really for some reason sticks with you. And for, for me seeing, uh, meeting Rizzo was a big deal. So that was, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who doesn't love Stocker Channing? <sighs> I guess maybe people who've only seen, uh, Mr. Willoughby's Christmas tree, maybe don't love Stocker Channing. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I had, what she hasn't, been you know uh, front and center for a while since West Wing really has she but that's an oversight on the part of everybody oh absolutely right <clears throat> okay if there's any casting directors listening to this podcast <laughs> go hire Stocker Channing she's a delight this is the biggest <laughs> podcast in Hollywood so they're definitely listening it's true, it's true. I mean, maybe she's had it with all that, and uh, she just is raising alpacas somewhere I don't know so, but... I mean Joe you need to speak to your so. uncle Steve that's right. Oh, Uncle Steve. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll get him on the horn. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's, let, we'll, we'll jump around again. Um, so uh, I see that uh, you, 
performed uh, on the the 2015 Muppets sitcom. Uh, you performed the original character Alinda, which was yeah. the I believe the young pig that is infatuated with Miss Piggy. Um, now that show didn't really lend itself to a whole lot of original characters. Right. Um, so what was the process for? Uh, kind of developing this like it's a new it was a new muppet um you know that that's very that's rare these days so what, what was that process like for you uh it it um you know she she needed to be a fangirl um and she needed to be uh she needed to actually find a way to um tug piggy's heartstrings at a time when she'd gone particularly off the rails <laughs> and uh yep and and I decided to do it pretty much straightforward. I decided to you know be be a version of, you know, I was a teenage girl at one point, and, uh, <laughs> and it was it was it was fun to just sort of tap into that and just just have that moment of, of being really starstruck and just loving someone and so excited to be in her presence and can't really believe this and and um, you know so I just I just decided to go really straight straight ahead with that one, um, and it was one of the yeah, I, and I assume. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I think it was one of the puppets from um, uh, uh, Christmas Carol. Yeah, it was. The... Uh, the... I was going to ask that because yeah. it was one of the. I've always wondered whether yeah. or not because the name Alinda and Belinda are basically the same name. I've always wondered if that was a little um, like wink to the Muppet fans, I guess. Uh, no, the Alinda was the name of uh, the best friend of one of the writers. Okay, well, I'll uh, I'll see oh, myself that's out. Fascinating. Uh huh. I love it. Yeah, I, I was wondering if uh, Alinda had a twin sister named Atina, and I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it was just a, it was just a little Easter egg for for the writer's friend. Well, there yeah. you go. I love it. An Easter egg for one person. Mm-hmm. They're often the best type of Easter eggs. Yeah, you know, this has to come <laughs> from somewhere, and uh, so absolutely. Uh, well, and I imagine it would have been easy for you to play, you know, a, a young person who's infatuated with Miss Piggy, because I. I I have to assume that you, much like us, grew up with the Muppets and you're looking at the real Miss Piggy and you're like, like oh my God, like that oh, would have been any of us as, as teenagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, obsessed. I still get starstruck by them sometimes. Never when they're just sitting on a stand, um, you know, never when they're just lying on a table. And, you know, I mean, the difference between Kermit all emptied out and flat on a table because it's just nothing yeah. And, and And between seeing him, you know, upright and looking around and even if he's not talking or doing anything, just just seeing him on, on yeah, a hand, you get a little every now and then you think it's I, um, I went to the set of the 2015 show and I was basically like they were filming in the like writer's room and I was basically huddled just into Kermit's office and they had a Kermit puppet the entire time just sitting on the stand with his little floppy head. And I was like, oh yeah, that's Kermit. No, that's like Kermit's a puppet. Like that's the, almost the first time I really went, yeah, he's just a puppet. And then Steve Whitmire came in, went, oh yeah, we'll take a photo now, put Kermit on, and then I got starstruck. Right, it's exactly. Such a, the same phenomenon. I was yeah, trying to describe. It's such a weird thing that you can't explain to people who haven't ha- had it um, happen to them. It's yeah, such a weird exactly. little phenomenon. Like when I've been around. Um, uh, like I've interviewed Cookie Monster and Elmo when, you know, David Rudman pulled Cookie Monster out of a bag. I was like, oh yeah, it's just a floppy little piece of, you know, felt puts him on. And I'm like, oh my God, that, that that's Cookie Monster. Like uh-huh. I just turn into that little five-year-old again. Uh-huh. So strange. And then you completely forget that the puppeteer's there. 
which is a credit yeah. to you guys because like I'm a 32 year old man and I will genuinely forget about David Rudman because I've got cookie monster next to me. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. It's so strange. Yep. yep. It's, it's the, the, the thing that complete. Yeah. The thing that gets me every time that I will never, uh, as long as I live, get used to is when a, a, one of the puppets says my name. Oh yeah. Of like, it's one thing to be like, wow, there's a celebrity right there. It's another thing to be like, that celebrity is acknowledging my existence. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I still remember I was on the Sesame street set once and, um, uh, Peter Lins was performing Ernie and just like, I'm not even paying attention to whatever they're doing on camera. And I just hear Ernie going like, hoo hoo, hello, Joe, how you doing? And I'm just like, what, what? No, I can't, I can't handle this. <laughs> like that Ernie is like, like this guy that I watched on TV taught me how to read. And like, yeah. I, like he's not like, he's my friend in my head, not in real life, but he knows me. So maybe he is. <laughs> oh, yeah. interesting. Let me, let me just, uh, let me just send a little text here. One second. <laughs> All right, Hank, you can edit this part out. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Hang on. Or we could leave in the silence. This is time for everyone who's listening to just take a breath. Take a breath. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you know, meditate on the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just think about fun things that can possibly happen. Hmm. Let's see. Hmm. I'm leaving this all in now. We said that. Are you leaving this all in? <laughs> Well, I, I'm going to drop some F-bombs so that you have to edit it. Okay, great. Right, right, right. I'm going to leave an empty frame for just a second. <laughs> so hold on. What was it so exciting that Ernie said to you? Yes, his name. Oh, he, just said, he said hello. He said my name. It was the greatest. Yeah. What did he say, though? He said, uh, hey, buddy. He was like, ooh, hello, Joe. Oh, hello there, Joe. Oh, all right. Oh, all right. is Ernie in your house? Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, right here. It is. Mr. Peter Linz. Welcome, Peter. Thanks, Jared. Hi, Peter. Hi, Joe. I'm good. How are you? Good to see you. See, I see like this is you. better. The fact that Peter Linz knows my name yeah. is better than Ernie knowing yeah. my name. <laughs> That's okay, Frank. I'm happy that I know your name. It makes you feel good. <laughs> it's fine. I'll take it. I don't care. It's fine. It's fine. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember this, Peter, but you and I did a live stream last year where we chatted. And then afterwards, we chatted for about 20 minutes just off camera. And I said to you how much I loved Ernie. And you're like, oh, he's in a bag just over there. And I was like, well, don't tell me that. And then you've stepped off frame. And then all I hear is, ooh, Jared. Hey, buddy. And I was like, oh, my God, it's happening. <laughs> Greatest moment of my life. Oh, that's very sweet. He's, he's still, well, he's still there. But yeah, he's not here. He's not here. He's no, on the, on the other coast. Oh, well, fair enough. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's okay. Well, he, you know, he's got, a, he's got an apartment to, that he lives in on here on, in our, on our coast. Um, you know, you that's can't right, just that's right. With his whisk roof. away to he LA. Just, no, he can't just. Right. No, he doesn't. No, he's not a jet setter. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Very, very content where he is. Uh, I will stop uh, um, busting, crashing the interview here. Yeah, Peter, you are you are not the focus of this this interview. No, I am not. No, I'm uh, not this beautiful woman. So I'm going to just go back over there. And bye, guys. Nice to see yeah, you. Yeah, go go eavesdrop. Bye, Peter. <laughs> nice to see you. See you too. Oh, what a great guy. He's a nice is. man. Yeah, he's all right. We like his company very much. <laughs> he's fine. I've, we we often say Peter is the nicest man. In, the in, nicest um, you know, man I've ever met in my life. I really feel yeah. the same. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so 
Shut up, you guys. Wow. Damn it. Um, Go back outside. This is my interview. <laughs> um, uh, well, no, now I don't. Sorry, sorry Jared. Just... Peter Lynch was here, and now I've got to compose myself. Um, can we talk a little about Turkey Hollow? I think one. I think sure. one of the only times you and I have ever talked to each other, we were going to set up an interview about Turkey Hollow, and then for whatever reason, we just didn't get around to it. Um, hmm. So you were puppet captain, yes. correct? Can you explain mm -hmm. to me, because I've never been able to figure it out, what is a puppet captain? Oh, okay. Um, there are several different uh, aspects of that job. Mostly, um, mostly you're in charge of the puppeteers and helping everybody make sure that they are where they need to be and that they're, you know, they're, they're, monitors are in the right place and that they have the assistance that they need or want and if there's any politics there that you make sure that the right people are with the right people and um and you communicate with them um i would you know i would send out an email each evening about how the day's shoot went and what was coming up for the next day and you know what to prepare for and what the weather was going to be like because uh, we were outside a lot and um then also uh we would you know read through the set with the with uh, read through the scene with the director and then they would turn the set over to uh, lighting and grips and electric and so on. And I would often stay and make sure that the monitors got where they need to be and the greensman would cover them up and they wouldn't be in the shot and how we were going to lay tracks so that we could move along dirt roads. And so I was working with the, um, so you work with the, with the grip department and the video techs as well to set everything up. And then, um, then the, Third thing that you do is coordinate with the shop if there are any problems or issues with, you know, something not fitting right or not feeling right or a rod that isn't working or if there's a repair that needs to be made. So you're basically in charge of the puppets and the puppeteers and the puppet setups. And uh, so there can, and, the, and then there's just a certain sort of like, you know, Boy Scout leader, den mother type role as well, where you're sort of come on guys, I know you're tired, but we got to do this one more time and, and um, make decisions about, you know, even what, what we should and shouldn't do on Turkey Hollow. They wanted to, uh, they wanted to bury us in the ground so that they could, the characters could be sitting on the ground in a forest and be, be working and, and moving. And, and uh, I sort of did a survey, like who's okay with this and who isn't. And there was really only one person mm -hmm. that I really can't. And the rest of us were buried in holes in the ground and, and we did wow. it. So, and, uh, and again, that was coordinating with, with um, scenic and, and, you know, how, the, how the safety of that was going to work and to make sure that we, you know, if anyone uh, had a problem or panicked that there was a protocol in place to get out and yep. uh, get the plywood up and get the dirt off and Jesus. You know, yeah so i mean we weren't did you dirt. did we you were... get a, a captain's hat to as the puppet captain uh well again this was a kirk thatcher joint and if you know kirk you know that he wears a captain's hat he does oh he does wear the captain's hat that's true hat actually frequently i mean he always wears some hat sometimes it's a top hat uh but <laughs> but uh, often it's a captain's yeah so you don't you don't want to step on any toes there. <laughs> no, especially not Kirk's. But what was it was really really nice to do my first puppet captain job, not only with people I didn't really know, so I wasn't bossing my friends around, um, but also with Canadians who are so nice. They're ridiculously nice, um, and you know even when even when one person's feelings were hurt because I hadn't called them in all day and I hadn't realized that I hadn't sort of spread the wealth out. 
and and I got this very hurt email, but it was so polite and nice, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. And um, so it was it was a good way to get one's feet wet in the cap in the leadership world. Is uh, yeah, I highly recommend working with Canadians when you have to be the boss for the first time. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, but uh, because you were in Canada, you probably didn't get to work with a lot of the uh, the regular Henson crew um, that I assume that you're extremely familiar with um, working uh, in LA. Yes. Uh, so d- does that make it easier or harder when you're working with people you've never really worked with before? Uh, well, it made it easier because I was having to, to um, kind of, you know, be the, be the leader. And that's weird when you've sort of grown up with somebody and suddenly you're, you're, you're making that kind of decisions uh, for them. Um, and and I actually had to cast those four characters. I had myself and three other puppeteers, and I had to decide who was what. So that was oh, that's tough. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was really interesting. And I knew um, uh, I knew Cord Robertson a little bit from one of the uh, I think it was from Very Merry Muppet Christmas or Muppets Wizard of Oz or both. Um, and <laughs> Rob Mills' name, of course, I knew from Fraggle Rock and so on back in the day. But Jason Hopley, I'd never met before, and he's marvelous. He's so fun, so funny. And um, so it was a really great team, and um, and uh, you know two I two I knew by name, one I knew from a little bit from having worked with, and uh, but we just you know it was a short shoot, but we we bonded, and it was really really a wonderful experience. I had a great time. That's great, right? And it's a yeah. fun it's a fun special too. Yeah, it's you know and this is and- the time of year for it. I hope it's uh, I hope it's uh, around right now because it's a Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and you perform Squonk. So like what, what makes Squonk different from the other, the other three uh, monsters? Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, I thought he was, he was the most sort of agile and weaselly and moving around a lot and then, ah. and, 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 you know, looking this way and, and, and that whereas, whereas uh, some of the others were a little more um, squat and uh, uh, you know, they all had their, they all had their aspects and um, yeah. And Squonk was like always in motion and always the most curious and always the most weaselly and just around. Uh, so th- that was, that was fun. Most active, active one. Um, and that's fun. That's, that's the kind of thing I want to look for next time I watch the special is like, yeah, like those, those little intricacies that you're, I'm assuming just making up while you're on set. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I and I got mm-hmm. to do that really fun scene with the little boy that, um, uh, I watched that scene in How to Train Your Dragon a bunch of times when Toothless um, uh, first learns to to to, to trust. Um, why am I blanking on the kid's name? How to Train Your Dragon. Um, never mind. Uh, he he had a short name like Hawk, like Hawk. Spit or uh, yes Huck or yes. That's not right. Yeah. Um, anyway. Oh no! What was his I'm, name? I'm on it. I'm on it. Was it was it Pokey? Is it, Pokey? Is it, Pokey? Is it I think it was Pokey. <laughs> Is it Hiccup? Um, Hiccup. 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 It. That was his name. I wasn't even close. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that movie about 50 times with my kids, so I should know that. But um, there's that great scene where Toothless and Hiccup get to know each other, and they're like they're they're learning to trust and learning to to um, you know inter- interact without harming one another. Uh, and they're both mm-hmm. afraid, but they're both curious and so on. And I really tried to do that with Squonk and um, and the little boy. So there was there's that nice scene where he's reaching out to touch him and pulling back. And so that was it's fun to 
it's fun to have one of those moments that you realize is a set piece in other movies that you know and love. It's a, it's a, it's a thing you've seen before, and I got to do it. For sure, yeah. 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 Uh, well, I mean, those puppets must just be sitting in a drawer somewhere. So I don't know. I don't know why we're not getting a sequel. We got to bring. We got to bring Squonk back. Yeah, they're in. They're they're uh, armatured and they're in the reception at uh, Henson La Brea. So. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. All right. So. They are. Everyone, break in and go see those armatured puppets. Yeah. I, I think I feel like I need to say for legal purposes: do not break in to the Jim Henson <laughs> company. <laughs> I can't have Brian Henson. Oh, yeah, we me. we don't. We don't officially condone it. <laughs> I'm staying silent. Uh, um, can I ask a question then, Alice? You were talking about, you know, being dug in a hole. Uh, you know, have, have there been any sort of other uh, places you've been like really uncomfortable or specifically, you know, where you're like, I'm not sure about this. I'm thinking specifically you uh, talked on Matt Vogel's uh, Below the Frame about like at one point they wanted to put you next to an elephant. And you're like, no, I'm not doing that. That wasn't a Henson show. I don't know if they would have uh, asked. That was that was for that was for something something else. And we did a lot of really sort of extreme situations on that show. It was a uh, uh, should I should I say which show it is? I don't know. Up to um, you. Yes. Up to you. Yeah, it was a, 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 <laughs> Drew Massey and I did a show called Cousin Skeeter for Nickelodeon in yep. in the mid late '90s, and um, I'm really really proud of that show uh, because we pushed the boundaries constantly of what puppets could do because again, it was people who hadn't worked with puppets a lot before. So they would write these things um, about how he, you know, uh, you know, jumps through a, jumps through a window and glass flies everywhere and, and, you know, okay, we're going to do that. And we had a stunt version of him and we would throw him through candy glass and it would break everywhere. And we just, you know, we got to do a lot of, sort of uh, cartoonishly violent things with him <laughs> that you wouldn't get to do on uh, on a on a necessarily a Sesame Street or a or a Muppet thing and um, and we worked a whole lot on all of those rigs and gags with uh, Scott Johnson and Jurgen Ferguson who are now um, you know they're Wrangler builder rigor extraordinaire team they worked on Dark Crystal and Fraggle Rock and you know all the all of the I mean, they are, they are unsung heroes of so many um, difficult, intricate, high rig, high tech situations. Um, yeah, Happy Time Murders and that Angel episode, and they're just like they're they're everywhere, and they they're wonderful and uh, and don't get nearly enough credit. But the two of them and Drew and I did that show for three seasons mm -hmm. and we had to constantly invent and we were constantly going out on a limb. There were only a few minor injuries. I dropped a hammer on Drew's once. <laughs> I think I told that in the episode as well. Um, and uh, uh, you know, we, we, you always get kicked in the face and, and, and things from actors and things, yeah. you know, there's, there's always things that happen, but, um, but by and large we did, we did okay. And there were only a few things that we really drew the line at everything else we tried to do. Yeah, yep. and one of them was was the elephant. Yeah, yeah. It was a focus episode, and the and the and the again the stunt puppet actually had to be picked up in the trunk and waved around by this elephant, and they trained her to do it. Wow! But they wow. wanted the shot to begin with him standing there petting her trunk, and we said, "Nope, <laughs> can't do it." Absolutely so, not. Uh huh. <laughs> so, 
But they didn't. So. Like, you can bury me, uh-huh. <laughs> me, but keep yeah, me away from the animal. Can't Thank lie down much. on the ground on the crap. No, her foot is this big. Yeah. She's just, <laughs> no. I know. Um, Alice, what, what else are you working on these days? Or, or can uh, you tell us what you're working on right now? Let's see. I um, I am working on petting my dog. So if you hear a weird grunting noise, that's what that is. I assume that was um, later. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. Oh, oh, very cute. Hello. Oh. Down you go. Um, he. Uh, let's see. I'm working on a new show at Henson that I can't uh, that I can't talk too much about, but it's a preschool show. Um, and it's with real great puppets. So it's not uh, awesome. It's not HTPS. It's not animatronics. It's not, it's, it's uh, old school, fuzzy Henson style puppets. It's adorable. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, and it's going to be on Apple. Terrific. Yeah. And uh, before that, uh, I did some teaching with, with puppets with Peter and Bill. And before that I was working on uh, all spring and summer. I was working on, Crank Yankers, which I, mm-hmm. it's a lip sync show and I don't get to do the acting on it. I love, love, love uh, creating, you know, different characters three times a day. And my very favorite thing to do is just to find an animal or something, just try to upstage everyone in the background. That's I one of the best parts of that show. Just like I the just, little characters in the background just going nuts. That's, that's usually me. <laughs> like if it's breaking something, <laughs> if it's knocking something over. If it's if it's if there's something like that gets water poured on it or anything, whatever. Like just if there's a mess being made or if there's chaos and like if something's breaking, I'm trying to I'm trying to break stuff back there. <laughs> You're probably maybe one of the only ones who's willing to be like, look, I'll, I'll just get myself you know drenched with water for for this bit. <laughs> yeah. Or or, uh, yeah. <laughs> or or I'm willing to anger the art department by, you know, banging into a shelf full of whatever it is, of plastic cans of some of our art supplies or whatever, just like knock the whole thing down. And they're like, and they get out their photos of how it looked and they put everything back and do it, like, <laughs> knock the whole thing over again. <laughs> it's just. You are the enemy of, of, of set continuity. But I take care of the puppets. I don't damage the puppets. I never break puppets. Some people are famous for that. But I'm really, mm-hmm. really careful with the puppets themselves, just not the stuff around them. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it totally works for a show <laughs> like that. Absolutely. Does. Do you have anything else, Joe, or should we go into the wrap-up? Wait. I think I am ready for the wrap-up. Excellent. <clears throat> you guys are not going to ask about Okay, that's fine. What are we going to ask about? <laughs> Dark Crystal? No. Oh, we... okay. I have Dark Crystal here in front of me. And yes, I was... Like I keep on meaning to get to it, I, but then I'm like, I'm very wary of the fact I, we've wait, been over an hour, like we've been an hour, and I didn't want to take too much okay. of your time. No, no. Wait, can I, I can I just say, wait a minute? I I was, I I had it in my head when we got when we started. We can edit this part out. And in my head, I'm like, right, you went to you went to London, you worked on Age of Resistance, and then I'm looking at your Muppet Wiki page, and I'm like, am I it thinking somebody it else? Have, Is it not on it has, here? It's not on the Muppet Wiki page, no, because I had to double check that. But there's a photo with you and um. And oh, and Brea. Brea yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. Right. I, 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 I thought I was just. I, we'll, we'll talk about it. I quickly. thought it was completely wrong. <laughs> okay. We yes, we absolutely want to ask about Age of Resistance. That's embarrassing for the wiki guys that they somehow didn't list it. 
Um, well, your your wiki page is pretty Muppet stuff. Is that strictly like Muppets and Sesame stuff? No, I mean, it's it's Henson too. It's Henson. It's Henson too. Okay. Yeah, they're Someone's just, just not listed, which is yeah. Wow. Uh, I really thought that my 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 brain was broken that I was just misremembering, but it was not me. Well, I guess that's nice to know, but. <laughs> Uh, thank you for saying something that we yeah, didn't sure. skip over it because well, no, we would have had people we were writing to us our way like, up to that. Didn't. <laughs> well, we we are now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So you spent a year and a half in the UK a, 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 working, yeah. bringing back the Dark Crystal. Yeah. Which is super impressive. That like, I mean, you guys managed to, in my personal opinion, improve on the original. Um. So, how how did you? Like, just find that inspiration from the original movie and then create something new, like, without Jim Henson sitting over your shoulder and telling you what's what. Uh, well, he kind of was because you watch the movie over and, ah. over and over and over again. You know, I mean, everything is there. Everything, all the information that you need is in the movie. And uh, and I've, you know, I've, I actually have you know, talked a lot about this in, in podcasts. So, you know, if you don't want to go into too much detail, there are certainly other sources for dark crystal stories, but I was just, I was just surprised. That's all. But um, yeah, it's Kathy Mullen's performance as, uh, as Kira, of course, is, was the, was the base document that you go to. And, uh, and I, oh boy, I watched it so many times when it, when it came out and, um, you know, everyone comes into the Henson, the Henson verse in their own way. Well, you know, everyone has a favorite thing. And a lot of times it has to do with, um, you know, what age they were when they first saw something. But for me, it was always Dark Crystal. Um, I mean, I loved Muppet Show. I loved Sesame Street. Um, I was the wrong age for Fraggle Rock and even the wrong age for Labyrinth, which was just a couple years after Dark Crystal. But um, that was my that was my movie. And that was my project that I just loved, 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 loved. And um, so it was... Uh, I was so thrilled when I heard that it was happening. I was so disappointed when I heard that it was going to England. And then it came around oh. again. <laughs> I mean, I was devastated when I heard that they were shooting. You were devastated because you thought that you weren't going to work on it? Yeah. Why? They said, we're going to shoot it in England. Yeah. We're use English puppeteers. Just, and, and, um, that was, and, and it was, it felt, it felt like a death almost. I mean, it was just yeah. it was so sad. Because I thought, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I can just go and do a little podling somewhere sometime if they shoot it. You know, I didn't know if they would shoot it in Vancouver, shoot it in Toronto, wherever. But no, they wanted, Lisa wanted to go back to the UK, which I think was a great choice. Um, because mm-hmm. the, the, it's so informed by the people who kind of people who were involved the first time around. I mean, we still had Brian and Wendy and, and, um, you know some of the, some of the people that were that were part of the really original project, and there they were doing it again. And um, and the craftspeople had all just come off of the Harry Potter movies, and a lot of the puppeteers have been doing Star Wars movies and some Harry Potter. And it was just it was just soaked in in a deep fantasy world uh, craftsmanship and techniques and electronics and animatronics and designers and the way they would light it and the way they would shoot it. Like everyone knew exactly what to do. They just walked in ready. And, um, and it was, uh, it was, it was a really big thing to feel like you needed to carry part of, I mean, you know, a relatively small part of when you think of the fact that there are hundreds of people pouring their whole lives into this for a year 
you know, and you're just one of those. But at the same time, there were a number of times where all of that attention is being focused on right here, you know, <laughs> and it's just, that's a, yeah. that's a lot pointing it. And, um, and it was, and it felt like a very big responsibility, but one that I, that I felt that I felt ready for. I felt like that was the job I'd been preparing for all this time. I didn't know that, but I didn't, I didn't think that was ever going to happen. And I didn't know that I was preparing for that, but then I, I walked in there and I thought, you know what, I can do this. I'm ready. And it was such a thrill, such a thrill. I loved well, it every day of it. Especially because those Gelflings are, they're so, I mean, like you say, like there's a lot of close-ups, like there's a lot riding on them as, as characters. Um, but there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of uh, options for for movement. I know like these puppets seem to have a little bit more, um, uh, f- I don't know, flexibility or maybe it's just more animatronics in the head uh, than the originals did for, for the the original movie. Um, but uh, was, was that like a... a particularly difficult challenge to like try to convey a lot of emotion with what's basically uh more or less a static looking puppet uh well i um first of all i had the advantage of having the eyes myself in my left hand so i had the, mm. the blinks in the eye up down left right uh, and a little controller um in my left hand so that was really really helpful because when you have a second person there with a with, you know with a futaba a model airplane control trying to keep up with a head movement and catch an eye movement at the same time. They're very good at it. And it's very shockingly accurate with all the Skeksis are done that way. And, um, and a lot of the Gelflings, but there were a few of us that stubbornly insisted on doing our own, uh, doing our own eye movements and head movements. And I think it was, I think it was effective. I think it was, um, I just think it brings a, a certain unity to, you know, just, just, having the the eye and the head move together just sells it in a way that I think can't be substituted. And then I did the same thing that I did with Squonk. I like just made sure that there was a lot of fluidity in it. I just made sure that even, even if there's not a lot of bend in the whole situation, you know, you can still, you can still get a lot of motion and boy, did I use that hair? It goes, it it went everywhere. (laughs) But, uh, everywhere that 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 you know limbs and 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 torso couldn't bend or move but boy that the hair translated everything every turn and every look and so i just used it used it used it <laughs> so that was fun what's it like for you to because you're obviously performing um Bray up but the voice is being done by um anya taylor joy so right. what like now granted this is something I should probably know, but are you puppeteering to something she's already done or is she coming in afterwards? She wasn't cast until afterwards. Um, Most of them were not cast until the director had really gotten a chance to see how those characters developed. Okay. Because he wanted to cast the right person for, as that, uh, as the, as the show required at that point. And, um, and I don't know if he'd had her in mind, uh, or not, her career was really, I mean, it, it was already very prominent by then, but we hadn't seen the Queen's Gambit or anything like that. She yeah, wasn't super- skyrocketed. Yeah. And um, uh, so I, I'm not sure if he'd had her in mind or not. And I'm not sure if today she'd even be able to find the time to do it. I just feel like we got really lucky at that <laughs> sweet spot in her, in her career. Cause I think she's wonderful. I think she's perfect. And, um, 
and so I acted all those scenes live for Donna Scratch Track. Um, and I fortunately was coached very, very heavily on a lot of scenes by Louise Gold, who's such a fine actor. And, um, and a lot of my scenes were with, a lot of my most emotional scenes were with Louise, who plays Brea's mother, the Almadra. And um, so I really feel like, um, I feel like the, I feel like the acting was there, but then what, uh, what Anya Taylor-Joy was able to do is if she needed more time, if she needed to take a beat, if she needed to change the tempo of something, they would just cut to an over for a minute and they'd open the track and then they'd come back for the reaction shot and she'd continue the line. So they, they edited and gave her a little more space to accommodate what she felt she needed to do as well. Yeah. So, um, and of course, improved, you know, uh, so much on some of the choices that I'd made. I realized, oh, I ran through that line. She took a big pause in the middle of it and it's so much better. Yeah, kudos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember, um, yeah, I remember of a certain specific spots. I can't come up with any off the top of my head right now, but where, where I realized, oh, she made a really different choice and I like it. There was nothing I disagreed with. So I was happy with that. And you also played the, the ornamental, excuse me, ornamentalist mm -hmm. Skeksis, mm -hmm. which seems like, first of all, is a completely different set of skills than, than performing a Gelfling. Um, uh, I'm curious how uncomfortable it was being inside one of those costumes uh, and um, for like how difficult it was to play a character that technically uh, exists in the original film, but not a whole lot, like not quite enough to, to get a gist of like who the character is and, and how to make it your own. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't get a sense of, of who he, she, it, they are. And um in the in the in the movie, I mean, there's this, this wonderful little fussy bit with the, with the, but but other than that, not not really. <laughs> and um, yeah, they 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 made up wonderful backstories for all these for all these skexies. Uh, yes, other than being able to keep up with your mouth and your hand, the skills are not related at all. I mean, the monitor, right. <laughs> the monitor is strapped to your chest, and you're looking straight down. It's heavy. It's hot. It's disorienting. I was going to ask. Those things look yeah. heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and every time, every time we got used to it and we were egging each other on, we were, we were just, you know, we were really, really pushing each other all the time. And, you know, there was a whole lot of, if you can do it, I can do it going on. And, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and by, uh, by the time we'd all gotten comfortable in doing the sort of normal Skeksis scenes, then suddenly we came in one day and they all had armor on you know they had these plates of armor and these headdresses and things like that and so suddenly they got a lot heavier it was a heat wave it was july and um, when we're in an old <laughs> it wasn't a sound stage because we weren't rolling production sound mm -hmm. a lot of times when we're doing those scenes we're doing these very intimate uh scenes and there's a construction going on literally 30 feet away you know with with power tools and because <laughs> we're not getting production audio it was all scratch track yeah you know, you'd be like weeping over the death of your mother and you'd hear a circular saw going right next to, because they, <laughs> they had to keep building. And so um, anyway, so it, it was hot and it was heavy. It was often very, very loud. They were shooting those compost cannons up through the floor for the battle scenes. And, and just, you know, just when we felt like we'd gotten, 
you know, we'd like gotten our arms around that with the armor on it. Then they put those sort of intimidating flag things on those spikes that rose up out of the, off of their backs mm -hmm. wanted to be particularly scary. Yeah. And those were, those were these thin metal. They were sharp. They tangled in the trees in the set, the, the set pieces that were hanging down. And we had to walk under these trees and those flags would get <laughs> just, it was almost too much. We we're like, you gotta be kidding me. We got, can we cut the flags? He was like, no, we're doing the flags. So we, we just, we just pushed through and we just did it. And then, and again, we just kept saying, if you can do it, I can do it. We're, we're 12 adults. And I think everybody at some point either cried or vomited or had a panic attack or all three, like it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I think I threw my back out just listening yeah. to that story. That sounds. But it was great. It's, it's, like it's we loved it. We loved it. We loved it. It was, you know, nobody could get enough. So. Well, hopefully okay. Netflix comes to their senses and, uh, <laughs> and, and does another one. Mm -hmm. or, or someone, because my God, like the, first of all, the full season, it's so yeah, good. It it's so good. Um, but so also like the puppets are, oh yeah, we loved it. The puppets are made. Like they're just sitting there waiting yeah. for someone to just green light a second season and we got to know what happens next, you know? You know so what you need to do, it's, it's Joe? A, it's a crime. Call yeah. Uncle Steve. What's, what's that? Call Uncle Steve. Uncle Steve. Hang on. Let me, let me get him on speakerphone. <laughs> I think- Uncle Steve? Somebody, somebody's going to be crazy enough to do it once a generation. Yep. You know? That's, that's, and we'll, we'll get it, we'll get it again in another 40 years. And, and that's, that's just what it's going to be. <laughs> well, I can't wait for it. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be- I, I hope we're still around to- <laughs> to review it or do a podcast about it or whatever the, you know, 2060 version of podcasts will be. <laughs> yep. Well, we've taken up a lot of your time, Alice. Um, we end with a set of questions. Uh, this is the first episode of season two. So we have brand new questions. Oh gosh. Um, okay. So as quick as you like, don't feel you have to expand too much. Uh, what is the food you hate? Apricots. Interesting. Uh, what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, um, True Colors. Ooh, good, good choice. choice. Uh, what is the sound of one hand clapping? There isn't one. Uh, now, I have a list here of uh, 250 questions. If you could please pick a number between 1 and 250. 157. What the hell is this, Jared? <laughs> Oh God, this is a deep question. I wasn't expecting this. Oh, what, right. life, what life lessons have you had to learn the hard way? Find the nicest guy in the world and don't let go. I like it. Um, in so the lesson is find Peter Lynn. Yes, it is. That's the lesson. <laughs> yes. that, that was a little too um, specific. That's all right. Um, now, in our last episode, uh, last interview episode, at least of this podcast, uh, we had Bill and Jean Beretta here together. They both asked a question each uh, without mm -hmm. knowing who the guest was going to be. Jean asked, why did you accept this invitation to be here? Oh, because I, because you guys are important. We, we, we respect and value and need your work in any way we can help or contribute. I am there. Thank you. And likewise. Oh, wow, thank you. That was very kind. Uh, and then Bill asked, uh, who does your hair? 
Oh, um, well, during lockdown, it was aisle 12 at Walgreens. Uh, but um, I got to say that uh, in general, I spend uh, way too much on my hair and um, maybe I should just let it go great. Fair enough. Uh, and finally, without knowing who it is, what question would you like our next guest to answer? What musical instrument do you not play but really wish that you could? I like it. Excellent. That's a good one. Alice, good question. I can't thank you enough. Um, you're as delightful as I hoped you'd be. Uh, and thank you for all the amazing work you've done. I, I feel like, you know, I, I wish you had like a main character because, you know, you've been one of the, I feel like not background performers, but for so long, I just feel like we need to, uh, we need to give you one of the main ones so that everyone can just rally behind that character. I really appreciate that. I would love it if that did happen, but I feel like having done Brea, I feel I can die happy. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Alice, again, thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And thank you genuinely for everything that you do to support all of this madness. 